Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. We welcome you and you're most welcome to become a part of this family. Seriously, if you find this is the leading of the Lord with you, then by all means our hearts are open to you and you can find settlement in this place where we will teach you the will of the Lord and mature you in God's ways. Amen. Uh, can we quote Psalm 102, verse 13 and 14? Ready to go? But by now you should know it, guys. Right? Please remember, my dealing with you is nothing more beyond the word of the Lord. Our relationship is defined by the word. Primary thing, the main thing on my heart is that God's word is in you. And that you walk it out, it's, it becomes manifest and incarnated in your life. So I'm very strong on Bible reading. I'm very strong on Bible study. Very strong on personal prayer. Very strong that you make time every day to read the word of the Lord. Amen. That for me defines our relationship. I cannot father you more than the time you give to God's word. Right? And so that, that, that is critical and fundamental. So we've been looking at Psalm 102, verse 13 and 14 as our key text, signature verse for this year. Okay, are we ready to quote it? Let's go, one, two, three, New King James Version, right? Psalm 102, verse 13 and 14. For you will arise and have mercy on Zion, for the time to favor her has come. Yes, the set time has come. For your servants find pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. Amen. Wonderful. Get that, get that, that verse in your mind. Log it and install it. Think about it, reflect it, and meditate upon it day by day. I want to thank Anne. Anne made of her own initiative these bookmarks. Um, um, Matthew just quickly designed before he left. A little, and Anne took upon it, uh, she actually initiated the idea, and uh, she had this done at her own cost. We have a whole bunch of them here. So please take one. Unfortunately, we may not have enough for everyone today, but by next week we will have more. Okay? So if we leave them at the table there, if upon your exit, please take one. Uh, take one, uh, maybe at this stage, two per family, and then next week you'll get the balance. I would like every single one of us to have one, including all the kids, okay, including all the kids. So um, I want to I do a little um, poster of this verse for my room so I can stay at it every time I wake up in the morning. Amen. But uh, wonderful just to have every one of you and uh, wonderful to be together as the house of the Lord. I've been hearing some powerful testimonies of the favor of God being manifest in the lives of some of our folk. And uh, for me, it's tremendously encouraging that the Word is not just theoretical, but that you are walking in the Word of the Lord. Amen? Uh, the Word mustn't become a set of rules or set of principles theoretically that cannot translate from theory to, to practice. The Word must become flesh and must live among, must live among men. That is the, 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 the quintessence, that is the, um, the ideal, that is the goal, that is the objective. For what we read to become flesh and for us to walk in it as men. Okay, uh, Paul said to the Corinthians, you are our letter, our epistle read and known by, by all men. You are our letter read and known by all men. So I want to encourage us all to become the Word. And this Word is becoming all the more so more practical as we proceed through the series. And I know it's going to become more overtly demonstrable to the degree where we will say like Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. Because this thing that is done could not be by human effort. 
skill, or ingenuity. The Holy Ghost will come upon you and overshadow you and get results uh, done within your life that no human flesh could lay claim to. It had to be the work of God and not the work of, of men. He will get all the honor. He will get all the glory for what He is going to do. Okay? We will not glory in His presence. Uh, our boast, if we have one, will be in the Lord. Amen? Our only boast is in the Lord and what He is going to do. And so I'm posturing my mind with expectancy. I hope you're doing the same. You are expectant. Right? So we're not pessimistically minded as we proceed through 2017. Our hearts and minds are extremely optimistic. And that optimism is not based on a well-wish or rooted in New Age uh, thinking or positive mental thinking and positive confession. It's rooted in faith in God's Word. Okay, So we optimistically approach the year. Uh, if you don't look forward to something, you will never embrace it. The thing you push away from you, you will never experience in your life. So I want to encourage you uh, to have an optimism, even in the midst of great trial. For some of us, we'll go through great trial and severe testings. But in all of that, our mindset is that this year, God promised us prophetically, will be a year of tremendous fulfillment prophetically. So I'm believing that. Everyone say, believe it. Believe it. You know what God said through Jehoshaphat to King... Uh, who was it that was surrounded by a three-pronged enemy in Second Chronicles 20? One of the kings, let's forget his name. But uh, the prophet gave them strategy as to how to win the battle. He said, take the singers and musicians and put them in the front of the army. It seemed ludicrous, right? It seemed a bad idea to take musicians and put them as the first line of offense toward an enemy. And they sang, uh, they were instructed to sing, uh, praise the Lord for His good and His mercies endure for forever. Unbelievable strategy, irrational strategy, certain suicide by all human reckoning, right? Mass suicide to do that. But you know what? The prophet knew that. So what did the king say? The king said, believe God and you will be established, but believe this prophet and you will prosper. Right? Believe what the prophet said to you and you will prosper. I'm asking you, listen carefully. I have no ambition to lead this church. I, have no, I, have not, I wasn't ambitious to start the church or to have a church. I'm here by divine appointment. That I know. Right? I know I'm here by God's choosing. Right? He didn't choose me. I didn't choose him. He chose me and this particular work. So if I stand here as God's mouthpiece and I say a thing, you must believe the prophet and you will prosper. Amen. The thing that prevents prosperity is you discount the Lord speaking in the voice of the man. Okay? So I want to encourage you, in this season, I've been painstakingly, seriously telling us all, it's a year of great, great favor. This is the proclamation of the year of the favor of the Lord. Okay, and we're going to see it um, unveiled to us in ever increasing dimensions more and more. But I want you to posture your mindset for this. Posture yourself for this, that we're going to walk in the favor of the Lord. Okay, we read a verse in uh, Jeremiah 8, 7, where the Hebrew word moed, in where it says, for the set time to favor her, has come, or where, where the, the, the verse in Isaiah 60, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the word moed, or the favorable year of the Lord, is used in Jeremiah 8.7, where it says, even the stork in the sky knows the times of her migration, but my people have not known my ordinance. So even storks or migratory birds know when it's time to migrate to uh, prevent the winter in a particular continent or place and migrate towards more favorable climatic conditions. Nobody tells them that. It's built in. It's instinctual within those animals. It's time to move. Everyone say time to move. It's time to shift. Right? So it says it, it, uh, 
Even the stalk in the, star, in the sky knows the time of her migration, but my people have not known my ordinance. Literally meaning, if you don't know the word of the Lord, you will not know when it's time to, to move or time to, to shift. Amen? No, you will not know the season or the necessity to move away from what is inaccurate to a place of greater accuracy. And all the words of encouragement that I've been sharing with you via the church WhatsApp group to consider your ways. That's a very, very serious word. If you notice in both Haggai 1.5 and Haggai 1.7, it's repeated. But in both instances, it's repeated with an exclamation mark. What does an exclamation mark denote in grammatical use? Right? In, it's, it's intense. It's loud, usually. Right? When, God, God is, when you read at Haggai, you must, if you're reading it, raise your volume when you come there. Because that's the intent of God. Consider your, your ways. I took that very seriously for my own life. And I began to consider my own ways. My behavioral patterns. For me, it related to how I manage my day. How I spend my time. Because I'm accountable to God for the management of my time. And I began to reduce and take out of my day time wasters. Because I'm going to focus now on destiny. Focus now on that which is, is eternal, not that which is transitory. Okay? So it's time to migrate to a more preferred position. Okay? Time to move to greater accuracy. So I want to encourage us all to consider our ways. When Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to uh, do several things, but one of the things He says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, or to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That word proclaim has within it a legality. It has formality. It has urgency. It has the sense of a summons and the setting of an epoch in time in which God will deal preferentially with us. I'm saying this again for emphasis, for some of us have not yet entered mentally and in our spirit into the reality of this. You must be aware, brethren, like the stalk in the sky knows it's time to move. I'm prophetically telling you, if you haven't moved yet, I mean, what's the day today? It's, the, it's half of the first month of 2017. Time is not waiting for no man. Some of us, the year has started, but some of us haven't started. We're still locked in an old, old behavioral pattern, unfaithfulness, lack of diligence, disobedience, uh, casual attitudes, still giving uh, things, to, still being prone to con carnal endeavors. Those things, if you are still there, then these words have meant literally nothing to you. I'm telling you, this word on circumcision at the table was apt. You will never proceed to conquest anything if, unless you heal the hurt within you. According, that's what Joshua said to Israel. And you know, I like the, the I didn't see it that way. You know, when I think there was, gee, 600,000 men came out of Egypt, right? By 40 years, I know a whole generation died. But how many men do you think were present at Gilgal? It could have been more than a million plus. I feel sorry for Joshua. Right? God said, you do it personally, bro. You take every man, you, and no anesthetic. No anesthetic. You take a flint knife, nochal, and you see to each man personally, it was a bloody affair. But I'm thinking Joshua must personally attend to all of this. And let me just say this. I'm more, I'm more intent, more resolute about the circumcision process of the sons in this house. Because I know it's pointless giving you nice messages saying, yes, we're going to possess, we're going to conquest. But you're dealing with hurt. You, can't, you cannot fight while you are still attending your internal hurt. God said, no, you will not leave Gilgal until you are absolutely healed from the circumcision. Okay? So I want to, I'm saying this to encourage us all. Open your heart to the knife of the Lord. God's going to cut away the flesh. God's going to cut away impediments. Cut away weights that easily beset you. But you must know the cutting of the Lord is redemptive. It's for our good. 
right? No one's going to participate in the covenant of God outside of being circumcised, okay? And so these things are, are very essential. For I can, you know, I have notes here galore, right? The whole little mini manual here on favor. Some of the things I'm saying, I'm feeling the Lord say, not now. Not now. If you see, the people are still dealing with internal hurt. There's still, there's an, there, not too many people are considering their ways urgently enough. How can, excuse me, how can we proceed unless you are and your group are totally ready to embrace that which I have for them, declares the Lord. Amen. Now, I want to proceed to share with you, I asked you to read the book of Haggai and the first two chapters of Nehemiah. How many of us have done that? Yeah. How many of you have done it often enough for it to ruminate, meditate? It's in you. In other words, you, you're going forward from this point. You see, Paul said this to Timothy. The things I taught you, meditate on those. Right? Give yourself wholly to them. And he said this, that your profiting might appear to all men. Profiting and success will only be obvious to Timothy, in Timothy, if Timothy applies his mind to meditating on the directives that Paul instructed him to. Okay? So seriously, I'm going to ask the church again. If I ask you to focus on a passage, do your best to internalize it completely within your system. Right? Holistically. I read the, the text daily. I've also played them daily. If you want a very good website to play the Bible, it's audio, it's Gateway, audio. The audio Bible uh, platform, it's gateway.com, right? Some of the best audio uh, uh, there. And I played those two, and I love I loved to play it loud. So I'm hearing it, I'm reading it, it's in my system, it's in my mind, and I'm meditating on the word of the, of the Lord. Now, what I want to encourage us, I'm going to go systematically through the next segment in the series on the favor of God as an expression of the grace of God. How many of us want to walk in this favor? Yeah? Now, I've said to you, this is our 13th session on favor. 13. Some of you have missed some critical aspects. You need to thoroughly listen to the prior sessions. You really need to like, prioritize it this week and say, I need to catch up. Certain gaps in my understanding of this reality. I need to internalize that. One of, the, one of the principles that you must be thoroughly aware of is that whenever God favors you, His favor upon you will always be uh, commensurate with what He called you to do. Your assignment and the purpose of God in your life will recruit unto it demonstrations of the preferential treatment of God with you to accomplish a certain task. I've been saying this virtually every week. It's never for self-indulgence. It's always to fulfill purpose. And you will see guys in the Bible like Noah, Moses, um, all had favor upon their lives. Ruth, Esther, Nehemiah, Mary, uh, the early church, all walked in overt favor. But the favor upon their lives was never short-sighted or was, it never ended with them. It always went be, beyond them. To impact a sphere. Now God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a, a blessing. If we desire to be blessed, but we have no desire to be a blessing to others, then there's a limitation to how that blessing will be practicalized in our lives. We mustn't be a dam, you must be a conduit. Don't let things come to you and stop with you. Things must come to you to go through you. Things mustn't come to you to be damned and stop with you. Things must come to you to go through you. If God sees that you are a pipe, you are conduit, I can filter things in and through you that will not end up with you, but they will pass through you too, to be others. You know what God said to Abraham? Whoever blesses you, I will bless. So think about it. Yes, person X responding to Abraham. God says to Abraham, I bless you to be a blessing. There's some person X, Y, Z. X says to Abraham, Abraham, I don't curse you, I bless you. Because God said to Abraham, whoever curses you is cursed, whoever blesses you is blessed. So yes, person X saying to Abraham, 
Abraham, I, I, I bless you. Then the blessing that God gave to Abraham is channeled through Abraham to the person that has got this favorable dis, uh, disposition towards Abraham. Abraham becomes the interface of the blessing of God to others all uh, around him. So that is what I want. I want to be blessed so much that I become a channel of blessing to others. People in my sphere will be blessed because of the degree of blessing that I enjoy from my Heavenly Father. But if I am not other people focused, if I am not other people centered, you know where it says in Psalm 102 verse 14, For your servants take pleasure in a stones, and your servants favor or pity the the dust. You know, one of the meanings of favor in that context, it's literally to pay for or to pay off. Read it. Check it out. Right? So we can be a blessing to others. Sometimes, let me challenge you, by settling someone's debt, what are you doing? You're showing favor to the dust in, in Zion. Okay? Do you know there are some people that will never settle a debt until they get help who needs help in that respect right right who needs help and let me just say this i'm saying that no why i'm speaking like this i know for some of you battling to settle some issues financially i i really believe prophetically god's going to give you that experience of where you experience the supernatural help of god of settling a debt you you find unmanageable the hebrew word for finds favor the dust thereof literally to take pity check it out i'm not lying check it out if you if, if you think i'm fabricating this check the hebrew out to pay for or to pay off okay so i want to encourage you um, that this is going to be your portion for some of you but for some of you you'll be the instrument to do it is it more blessed to give or is it more blessed to receive the blessing is always on the giver Yes, the, the receiver is blessed. I mean, who isn't not blessed by getting something? Yes, you're always blessed. But biblically, by spiritual standards, you know what? The greater, the greater one that is blessed is the one who, who gave. So in the kingdom of God, I have determined, God, I want to be on the greater blessing side of kingdom reality. The greater blessing is in the giver, not the receiver. Most Christians have a receiving mentality. Gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. Gimme, 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 gimme. I just want the flow. I just want to be the end of the process. But let me just say this to you. Uh, this is a word of, I feel the, the presence of the Lord here. If every one of us tell our minds, I'm not going to be the end of the process. I actually want to position myself in the kingdom as that factor that gives to others. If you, if you think like that, there's no telling to what the Lord will give into your hands to steward on His behalf. Because He knows it will never end up with you. It will be filtered through you too, to, to others. Do you know why God chose Abraham of all the people in the earth? One of the reasons God says. God says, I have chosen him because I know him that he will instruct his sons after him. Abraham was generationally focused. That's why God said, I can make you a father because you have this disposition of transferring what is in you to others. Okay? Many people use faith to receive only. Faith by faith we receive. And yes, faith is a receiver. But a lot of the Old Testament saints use faith to, to give. It takes as much faith to dispossess yourself of something and give it to another as much as it takes faith to get the thing in the first place. I think it takes more faith to release. Because you're not owned by the, the things that you own don't own you. You are not possessed by your possessions. But you can dispossess yourself and demonstrate I have no problems releasing that. Because my hope, my confidence is not in that. My hope and confidence is in God. So to inconvenience myself, to convenience another is an expression of grace. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that although he was rich, yet for 
your sake he became poor that you might become rich. Right? No problem. And that is grace. You know the grace. So, here is what I want to challenge, start to challenge us about. Please stay with me. Again, I want to remind you. If you come as a member to this church and you relate to us as sons, my primary engagement with you is God's word. Right? And you have to develop a love for truth. Everyone say, I love the truth. Say, I love God's word. God's word is our primary thing. Nothing, yes, the other things peripheral to that. But you take this away, then the relationship has lost its biblical foundation. Okay? It's God's word. So Exodus chapter 33 and verses 12 and 13. I will get to the portions of Haggai and Nehemiah in a moment as the Lord would lead us. I hope we get there. Right? Because the service has already gone its own way. Exodus 33 verses 12 and 13. Moses is talking to God. Moses says, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, God's talking to God, right? Bring up this people, but you yourself know, and not let me know, whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Moses is convinced because God told him, God said, I've known you by your name, and you have found favor in my sight. God, Moses did not choose God. God chose Moses. God singled him out and selected him from even a little baby. I believe this was set in eternity past, before he was even born. Right? What did God say to Jeremiah? Before you were born, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. And not just know you, he says, I ordained you to be a prophet. So the knowledge of God, of you, existed before you were conceived in your mother's womb and also your assignment or preoccupation or emphasis in life was already established by God. You simply have to walk in it. Okay? So Moses gets this information. You have known me by name and even by your selection of me to do this great task of leading your people out from Egypt to the promised land, I am blessed. I am highly favored of the Lord. And then he says in the next verse, Now therefore, I pray, if I got this favor. Come on, talk to me. Does he have the favor? So he's saying, well, if that, he's, he's like negotiating with God. If that is the case, if this is true, that I have this favor in your sight, let me know your ways. This is very important for you to understand. Moses is saying, I want in on the details of what makes you tick as God. I'm not just happy that I'm chosen to do this. If I am going to do this as an expression of your favor, I want not just your works. I want to know your ways. And then he says, that I might know you. I cannot be used. What he's saying is, I cannot be used by you until I know you. There's no way I'm going to do this task of leadership until my knowledge of you grows in deep intimacy. Okay? And then, that I might know, your, might know you, your ways, that I might know you, so that I might find what? This is confusing to me. He's already got favor. He says, I want more of this favor. And I'm just, can I paraphrase my own language? He's saying, I know you favored me because I see in my life from a little boy you protected me. Right? I was thrown in, in a basket in the Nile, riddled by ferocious crocodiles. You've protected me. You've, pre, you've preserved me. When there was a decree to kill all Hebrew boys, I escaped all of that. Right? You, you made me be brought up in the best uh, uh, possible place, the most civilized nation of the time, Egypt. 
I probably attended the best universities, best education, right? You know, Moses was an extremely learned man, okay? Grown up in, in, in Pharaoh's courts. Um, and who of us here today can look back upon our lives and like Moses say, there is obviously demonstrable evidence of your favor in my life. How many of you can say that? You say, Moses, you look back, you say, I can really see from the past up to this point, God, you have been with me. How many of us can say that? Now, I'm going to challenge you, and most of us will reference the works of God. If I ask you, explain. You're going to tell me what God did. Not so. When I needed him, he came through. I needed breakthrough, the finances came from I don't know where. Right? I, could lost, I could have lost my life, but he preserved me. My marriage could have failed, but God came through. Right? Um, I, I applied for the job amongst many. They chose. They chose me. If, you, if I ask any Christian, and I say, are you favored? And the, when I, you're going to reference what God did. Moses is saying, that is one realm. I know that. It will always happen, but I want to go deeper. He's saying, I'm not just happy with your works. I want to know your ways. Because if I know your ways, I can very easily access your works. But it's possible biblically to know the works of God and never ever know the ways of God. Possible to know the works of God, but never ever know the, the ways of God. What expression of favor I am after now is in my prayer to God is, I'm saying to him things like, I know you are still going to do great things. Your works will be abundantly displayed in my life, in my family, and in the life of this congregation. That I know. Now, how many people believe that? Yes, God's going to do great things this year. Now, we're comfortable with that. We're not even surprised when it happens. Do you know? It's like we expect it. Right? You must live like that. God does something profound. You're not even taken aback because it's something you're expecting and you simply walk effortlessly and naturally into the great doings of the Lord. Yes, my soul will magnify the Lord, etc. But beyond that, what you must now start to trust God for is a deeper knowledge of Him. More than what He does. The cry of the heart of the Father is, Oh, that they would know me. Please hear me, brethren. The cry of God the Father to you is, Oh, that they would know me better. Know me more. Know me intimately. And God is lamenting the fact that for people only want to engage me for what I can do for them. They only want to engage me for, for they are at the receiving end of my gracious hands to them. Nothing more, nothing less. For the average Christian, I guarantee you, so long as their needs are satisfied and they have expressions of the miraculous every now and then, they'll be very happy. But my quest is, I want to go beyond the performance of God to the person of God. I want to go beyond the works of God to the, to the ways of God. Now, let me demonstrate this. Daniel 11:32 b the last part of Daniel 11.32 says, The people that know their God will display strength and they will take action. The people that know their God will display strength and they will take action. I love it in the New King James. The people that know their God will be strong and they will carry out exploits. Who's ready for exploits, right? They will take action. Listen, brethren. I'm not just saying these things to hype you up. Saying these things as this is my prophetic reality now that we're going to do great things on God's behalf. Yes? We're going to do great things globally. God is saying, who are those that will be strong and carry out great exploits? It's the people that know their God. And uh, let me see your hands. How many people... You, you want to, by the end of this year, look back on 2017 and say, I just, yes, God broke through miraculous works in my life. That is true. Tick. It's done. 
But beyond that, I've gotten to know him intimately, much more than I have up to this point. And because of that, I've been able to push his purposes. I've been able to do exploits in reference to his will and his agenda in the earth. Yes, anybody like that? Come on, let me see your hands. Yes? You know, when I do an assessment of 2017 at the end of the year, I must, I must say, wow, God, surely you have been good to me. I thank you for your favor. But the greatest expression of your favor on me is the degree to which you've unveiled yourself to me more. It's not what you've done. It's how I've gotten to know. You know, when, when Moses says, I want to know your ways. I mean, which of you wouldn't be enthralled and thrilled at the prospect of leading a group of people as Moses did? Happy, right? He's not so, yes, let's do this, God. Let's do this. He says, no, no, just hang on one moment. One moment. You have favored me. I'm very happy. I've got miraculous demonstrations of your power and working in my life. But, he says, and notice the text. Notice the wording. He says, show me your ways that I might know you and find favor. It's a different level of favor that he's talking to as to the one he previously referenced. The one was the works of God. This one now is, I want you to unveil yourself to me. And he was very bold. Remember what he said to God? Show me your glory. I want to see you. Because I know if I see you, I'll be transformed to be, to be like you. I want to go there. Right? I want to go there. So the people that know their God will be strong. And they will do exploits. You're going to do exploits for God if you want to be that. I want to encourage you, your growth in your knowledge of God must grow all the more. Go to Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7. Okay, we're not going to get nowhere near where I desire to be today. Okay, this is the way God is leading us. I really want you to get into Nehemiah and Haggai. But God is going a different way today. Listen, going forward, I want to have at least five seminars this year. A Sunday morning once a week is just not enough. It's just not enough, brethren. I can't, like, in my mind, this should have been done already. It's like I'm feeling the drag. But you know what? I want you to upgrade your degree of assimilation. Yes. Say, God, I need to increase my receptive reception rates so that you can do what you need to do in the midst of the impartation so we are ready for the next level. Yes. Okay? Those seminars will be weekend seminars which I will announce the first one shortly, right? Friday, I want you to give me a Friday night. It's just five for the year. Friday night, a Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, and a Sunday evening, that weekend, where we can do like 10 or 12 sessions, but cement something in the spirit. Yes, who's excited about that? So when we set those days, I want you to prioritize them. Everyone say priority. You know, I'm not just doing this because I want to impose meetings on you. I'm really concerned that we, we grow as a, as a house and as a, and as a church. Tell your neighbor, look around you. Everyone say, look around you. Is the church growing or not? Yes. Now, let me ask you, is this not a fulfillment of prophecy? Yes or no? Yes. Right? We've had two prophecies last year where prophets said this would happen. For me, this is very encouraging, right? This is very encouraging. But God said to me, but your, 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 your structures need to be upgraded to facilitate the grace download. Your leadership, your personnel, the level of love and, and your oneness in the house needs to grow. Everyone that is here, I want you to take keen interest in everybody else that is here. Yeah. Eh? Now please, some of you haven't heard that. I'll say it again. Everyone that is here, I want every one of you to take keen interest in everybody else that is here. Unless you fulfill Psalm 102 verse 14. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and find favor in her dust. Until you start to do that, level of favor on you is going to be limited. I've been saying this literally every week, but I can see some of us haven't got the revelation. I've been painstakingly saying to you, your next level of breakthrough lies in the house and your attitude to other people in the house. Yeah. So I want to encourage you to take special interest in your brother. So that's going to happen as we, as we proceed throughout the year. 
So I want to encourage you. This is going to happen. And my, my intent is exactly this. What's the motivation? I want to teach you the ways of God. How do you grow in the ways of God? You grow in the ways of God through the Word of God. There's no other way. Yes, God will come to you and reveal. But unless you grow in the Word, you'll never grow in the ways. Yeah? Your Bible must be your best book in your room. The best platform on your phone. Right? It's, your, it's your favorite icon on your iPad or, or, your, or your laptop or your desktop. It's that thing where I go into the world. That must be the most attractive. Your first love. Everyone say first love. First love. First love. If I buy a device for any of my family members, a computer, my first priority is, is the Bible loaded there? Do you have a dictionary on there at least for names? Uh, young people, let me say young people, you're going to be, this is a techno generation. Let your first download be a version of the Bible. Put it as an icon on your tape. That's my first love. That is the gateway to all of my success. Yeah? All the young people said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And all the old people said? Amen. Hallelujah. You should have it on your phone. Word of God must be in your heart, in your mind, ever before your eyes. Amen. Let's get to the text. Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to take just 5 to 10 minutes because there's something special we need to do before we close by 11. Hebrews 3, 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the trial in the wilderness. What is the imperative here? Everyone say today. Today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Today is the day of the Lord's favor. It's this time that we're living. It says, when you hear His voice, don't harden your, don't harden your hearts. Right? Because your fathers did that to me when I tested them, their trials in the, in the wilderness. And then He says in verse 9, where your fathers tried me by testing me, and they saw my, what did they see? Now, it is possible to see God's works, but still yet have a hard heart. That's where I'm going. Many of you, listen carefully. For, for most people, globally, the church globally, the average Christian, so long as God's works, I'm happy. But God says, it is possible for you to know my works, yet you still got hardness in your heart. God says, then what is, what is then my, 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 my objective in displaying my works to you. Let me just say this. And I might be premature in saying this. Whenever God does something. Its intention is always to unveil who he is. And I, I taught this in the Passover series. Now I know that many people. There's a surge of renewed interest. In the three series on Passover. I, I want to encourage you. Listen to those three pass. In the one series on the Passover. I taught extensively. How that the performance of God is always designed to unveil to you something about the person of God. So whenever God does something for you, it must always reveal to you a greater aspect of who He is. So God provides a ram to Jeremiah on the mount. He was about to kill Isaac, remember? And what did he exclaim? Jehovah, Jireh. He was the first human that ever had a view of God as Jehovah Jireh. So what God did for him opened his eyes to who God is. Whenever God does something, you must always ask yourself, don't just be happy you're throwing a party because God came through. Before you get jovial, whoo, glory, hallelujah, God is powerful. Check what he happened. Stop, be sober, say, God, you did this. Listen to me very carefully. Say to yourself, God, you, you did this. Ask the next question is, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me about your nature? If I don't translate the works of God to the person of God, I just stop with the works and I never ever get a knowledge of the God who did this. The lament of God. 
for 40 years in the wilderness. Now, would not you say, parting the Red Sea is an expression of the favor of God? Yes. Would not you say, uh, changing the bitter waters of Mara into sweet waters is a powerful working and expression of the favor of God? Yes. Powerful, eh? Would not you say, anyone who looks upon the bronze bro, uh, serpent raised up is healed automatically? Eh? Powerful works, right? Uh, would not you say you are thirsty and your leader hits a rock with a stick and water flows out of a rock and supplies the thirst of more than a million people in a desert? Would you not just say, wow? Everyone say, works. God says, they saw so much, but no one knew me. They saw so much, but no one knew me. This is my cry. Because I'm seeing immaturity in this house. You want the next breakthrough. And next year, you go up, down, up, down, up, down. Next year, I'm counseling you on issues you should have mastered two years ago. But you've seen the works of God. But you've never known the God who did the works. Can't work, brethren. Can't work. We're not going to possess anything with that mentality. Look at the next verse. You know, 40 years is a long time, right? God says, you know what? It's not just now and then. It's every day for 40 years. You know what the Bible says? Their shoes did not wear out. How would you like to be a pair of sandals? You're not walking in West Street, right? You're walking in a desert with the same pair of shoes for 40 years and the shoes do not wear out. God said, I did that. Right? Every day you wake up and there's manna rain down from the sky to feed your whole family. God says, hey guy, this, this people, you've known such powerful works, but no one knew my ways. Moses says, I've had enough of that. If I'm going to be a leader of this group, I'm not satisfied with works. I want a new level of favor. The favor I want, God, is you need to open up your person to me. I need to penetratively go in and know the God who does all these great things. For the people that know their God will do great exploits. The next verse, watch, says, Therefore I was angry. Now, the mood of God you see in me is the mood of God reflected through me. I'm not just like this to be dramatic. I'm sensing the mood of the Lord. God saying, I was angry with that generation. Let it not be said of us. Gate Ministries, Durban Central. Knew my works for 40 years. Every year of their lives, I brought them out of fixes and vices and vice grips. But at the end of it, my position, I'm angry with them. How can God be angry with the people he's shown works to? Hey? Next verse. Oh, well, let's finish this first. And he said, they always go astray in their hearts. Everyone say, always go astray. They always go astray in their heart. The word is in the Greek is planeo, which means to cause to wonder or to be deceived or to err. In other words, to, when it says they go astray, it's cause to be deceived. You were on one path, but hey, you're going, 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 going. Then detour. God says that detour was a seduction. It was a deception. Never ever forget the powerful deceiving effects of sin. The Bible calls, later on in Hebrews, I won't have time to read it in this chapter, it talks about the deceitfulness of sin. Sin doesn't tell you the consequences, right? Sin just says, hey, it's nice, here's a carrot, engage. Satisfy your flesh, enjoy. Sin never tells you the results of it. So there's a deceptiveness to sin, right? You only read the results once you've gone through the process. And it, 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 it like planeo means to err. It means you slowly drift. And I'll constantly say, nobody knows they are drifting while drifting. 
you only know you've drifted after a while. Right? No, no boat on a course en route on a, to a particular place knows that they've drifted only after a while. The navigator will say, yeah, what happened here? We should have been there. Why are we here? And I sense the Holy Ghost here this morning. Listen carefully. The Lord is saying to many of us, you're drifting and you don't even know it. Don't wait for June 2017 to come and say, how did I land up here when I had so many warnings from my spiritual father throughout the series of messages in January 2017? How did I land up here? You are greatly loved. I'm going to say to all of you, you are greatly loved by the Lord your God and by us, your leaders. For God to speak to us in the manner in which He's speaking means He loves us. Tell your neighbor, God loves you. God does not want to see you go astray. He loves us. That's why He's talking in this fashion. But you know what? You know what? It is fine if this verse says they go astray. But this word troubles me. It says they always go astray. You know? When is your always going to stop? When is it going to stop? You come year in, year out, you're at the same stuck place. No level of increased obedience, no level of increased faithfulness, no level of increased love for the brothers, no showing favor to the dust in Zion. When is that going to stop? We need to stop always going astray. Then it says, they go astray in there. I won't have time to comment on each phrase here. But each phrase is so powerful. They go astray in there. You, and let me just say this. I'm tired of people positioning themselves accurately politically. But externally you're fine. We can't fault you by what you're doing externally. If we examine you by, by external things, you're fine. At all the meetings, you're there. Seem to be towing the line, but in your heart you are far away. Right? The heart and the life must now be in sync, be thoroughly in alignment. I'm no longer going to apologize for these things as I say them. Because last year, towards the end of the year, there were certain things, I won't mention it because of the sensitivity of, 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 the, of some of the issues. I stress certain things by prophetic reality, things of which I had no evidence of and to find out that people are actually falling prey to these things so i'm saying that to endorse this i want to encourage you consider your ways with an exclamation mark Let's do a forensic inquiry where i am in the scheme of things adjust know the time of your migration it's a season to come to a place of greater accuracy then he says, they always go astray in their hearts. And watch, here's the lament of God. They did not what? They did not know my ways. They did not know my ways. That's verse 10. Look at one verse more, verse 11. As I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Then the lastly, verse 12 says, take care, brethren that there be not any one of you with an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the, from the living God. Take care. Right? Two verses quickly, then we'll close. Psalm 103, verse 7. It's a very critical verse. Psalm 103 and verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the sons of Israel. New King James, what does it say? Uh, King James. It says the same thing, I think. Okay. It's, some versions say ways versus works. Axia is the works of God. Now, can you see the distinction? Moses says, I'm not just happy with the ways, uh, the works. I want to know the, the ways of God. The ways of God are the principles of God's nature, right? It's like you buy a new computer, 
What's the latest Windows application now? I just forget. 10. Is Windows 10? Windows 10, latest, right? And you, you open your Windows 10 and you're impressed by the program. Wow. And you start to use it. And it's beneficial to you because you're employing the functions and you're deriving benefit, advantage of it. He said, wow, bless you. Then you get another dude that says, I don't just want it. I want to go into the mind of the guy who made the program. I want to know what is the configuration, the principles that make it function in the way in which it does. Moses is saying, God, I don't just want your works. I want to know the essence of your person. I want to know your ways. You know what this would do to you? It will make you far more faithful to Bible reading, Bible study, prayer, things like fasting. If I say we're calling a fast because we want to draw near to God, right? I no more fast for things, by the way. I don't even pray for them as often as I used to. I just if I say to myself, if I know my father, if I know the person, I'll get anything the person desires to bring to me. Right? I don't just want the blessing, I want to know the blessor. I don't want just the healing, I want to know his nature as a as a healer. Today, for today's sermon, okay, I haven't got nowhere near what I wanted to preach to you today. But today was very prophetic. Okay? Today, I want everyone to make a new commitment in your heart. Saying, God, uh, if you want to take this down, it's Deuteronomy chapter 8. Read the whole chapter. I'll, I'll send you, because I don't have time to preach it, I'll send you an email in the week. In that passage, he talks about the deceptive nature of works. It's good things happening, but God is doing powerful things. But it's, it deceives you away from God if you don't let those works lead you to the ways of God. What God does must lead you into an education of who He is. I want to bless you today. Lift up your hands. Close your eyes. If you say, I'm up for this. I want this level of favor. I don't just want to be privy to the works of God. I want in. I want in on who this God is. I want insight Penetrative insight into his nature, his essence. The people that know their God are going to do great exploits. The people that know their God will do great exploits on behalf of God. Father, our hands are lifted up to you. We really want to know your ways. Help us not to be so works focused that we always just want to engage you because we need something from you. We need you to break through here, there, in our family or financially or with the destiny of our children. Then we become serious about the things of the Lord. Father, we want to know you. I thank you, O oh God, that in your fatherhood, you will take care of us as sons. There's no doubt in our minds that because we are your sons, you are our father. We expect your works. That thing, you will do mighty works. We want to thank you already in anticipation for all that you're going to do in 2017 and beyond. Thank you for the works. But God, like Moses, our, our passionate prayer today is show us your ways. Through your word, reveal your nature. We want to know you. Come on, tell him, I want to know you. Come on, just say that to your father. I want to know you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more intimately. I want to I just live on the edge of being the recipient of what you do. And have a hard heart that you're angry with. I want to know you. I want to know you. Whom to know is life eternal. Father, that's our cry. To know you. It's a deep cry in our hearts. To know you. Oh, that we might know you. Help us not to be so mesmerized. And taken aback with what you do. And never ever know you intimately. The God that is so loving, so fatherly. Want to know the essence of your being. And I pray, I decree a new phase of favor in the life of this congregation. It will be the favor of the Lord. Expressed in how he graciously, progressively unveils himself to each of us more intimately in, with greater insight and understanding to his person. I, I pray 
an unlocking of the mind to know your God much more than we do. An unlocking of understanding. I decree a new season of the knowledge of the Lord. Your word says that the wise man must not boast in his strength. Nor the strong, the, the wise man in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength. But he who boasts must boast in this, that he knows and that he understands me. That we want to boast, that we know and we understand you, God, in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen.